This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with April Rose Gabrielli, who is a singer, songwriter and entertainer. So we're diving into her story a little bit. But before that, April, thanks for coming on the show. Of course, anytime. Thank you for having me. So share a little bit about how you got started. There's so much that differentiates people, you know, like their, their stories and where they came from. And I found it really interesting to learn. So how did you get started? Um, so I, I don't really remember a time that I, I consciously made the commitment to music. I just kind of like always as a kid loved it and always thought that it would be a part of my life somehow. Um, I'd always had a piano in my house. So my mom taught me how to play songs and songs that she's, she had even written uh, while she was growing up. So music was always very centric in my upbringing. And as I got older and older, it just kind of kept tapping me on the shoulder. I started writing poetry at the age of 12, started writing, uh, musicals after that. Um, and then I produced my first full length musical at 17. And from there, you know, there was a lot of business that goes on with producing a show. Obviously it's not just art at that point. It's, it's money, it's contracts, it's all that fun logistical stuff. So uh, I found that the, uh, I was super interested in the business side of things. So from there, I went to business school and I uh, simultaneously was in bands and um, trying to basically become a full-time musician, however I could. So in about 2017 or 2018, I have been, since then I've been a full-time musician and since about 2020, I've been pursuing my, my solo music uh, project. So that's kind of where we're at now. <laughs> Is there any moments when you wanted to stay like, not solo or did you always sort of feel that pull from the beginning? Uh, so it's funny because I always did these things alone, but I always was really intrigued and excited by the idea of meeting other people like me because it's a little isolating. I think being like an artist and, or, you know, hearing all these things in your head all the time makes you feel a little crazy. Um, but it, it was cool to always connect with different people and play in bands. So I actually started playing on stages, in, at least in bands, as far as bands are concerned with other people. My brother is a fantastic drummer. So my first bands uh, were with him. I actually joined his bands. <laughs> um, so I kind of couldn't avoid that one, but I, I love, yeah, I, I kind of actually started with bands and then just as time went on, like, you know, people really, it's hard to keep a five piece band together and different kinds of bands together and keep the momentum going and find a shared vision. But I just, I knew no matter if it was with a hundred people or just by myself, even if I'm the only one that believes in me, I just, this is just what I like to do. And I really, um, I am stuck with it at the end of the day. So I just want to do what I want, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it made, it made sense. Did you ever have any, not arguments, but did you ever have disputes that made you feel that like you could do it better on your own? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that's a matter of just like the human ego being like, well, if I did it, then, you know, cause you can, you can fantasize about or romanticize about how you could have better done something in hundreds of situations. Even after we break up with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we think, oh, well, if they didn't do this, I would have been better. Or like, I could have done this better, but in the moment, you know, things are things and that's just the way it pans out. But yeah, of course. I, and, and it's really hard to, it's, it's when the band is also like a family affair and you respect the people you're around, it's, it's really hard to be like, you know, uh, if you weren't here, I could do this because quite frankly, I can't 
played the guitar like my guitarist who still works with me now you know i could never play i can't even play two drums my brother can play drums like a maniac you know so anybody i've ever been in a band with and my my buddy matt who's a fantastic bass player and engineer like you know these are people that i've learned from so i mean i can't do those things so I, it's really hard for me to say yeah i could do it by myself but i definitely know that um you know i was in a, a lot of different groups with a lot of leaders and i think it, sometimes it's better when there's one leader or the leadership is is um what's that word distributed in such a way that everyone feels like they've got an equal stake uh, and passion in the project but that's a really hard balance to find it's like any healthy relationship you know you both have to really it takes two to tango or five or six or whatever yeah. is it is it ever important to actually structure that in a particular way so we, you mentioned like trying to find all the right pieces to go together do you ever find that it's better to have a couple of people that are happy for everyone else to make all the decisions and you find that they actually work better than someone that's always trying to decide for everybody else yeah it's funny because there's no i don't know if there's one right way to do it because in in discovering and meeting all these different bands and, and musicians like everybody has their own way of doing it there's definitely proven things that work but there's things that work for certain situations like I am doing a solo project musically right now, but I've never been involved with more people, you know, like that I've been working with. Like I have a manager, I have a label with people there and I have co-producers and all. I mean, I could work with anybody musically. So this like opens the door to like hundreds of different people. Um, so, I mean, I'm working with a lot of different people, um, but I think, yeah, I, th I mean, there's like everybody's balance is different. Um, I think there's some people in the group that, kind of don't care but they always do you know musicians are very particular they care about their craft they want to be represented uh the right way and also it's it, undoubtedly i would say for most artists it's emotional so anything that's emotional they're going to want to have you know some sort of say in the way it's represented because that's how our that's where our vulnerabilities sort of like lie and and present themselves so yeah i mean it, it, things work differently for everyone i'm kind of like a <laughs> I'm always just been more comfortable in the front, like at, at in college classes that they're like, who wants to hand out papers? Who wants to be the leader of the group? Who wants to do this? Who wants to be? I'm like, just me. I, I don't want anyone else having to do this. Just let me do it. You know, I don't know why I'm, I don't even really see myself as a super extroverted person a lot of the time, but I definitely am always the first to volunteer or be in charge. I don't, I'm not really quite sure why it's just where I'm comfortable. You mentioned that you were 17 when things got serious, I guess. Is that inclusive of education? Like, how did you balance music, being an artist, being a highly creative person to be able to do this at a reasonably young age? How did you balance that with studies? Um, <laughs> I just did what I needed to do to get by. I don't know if I did, you know, honestly, I was, I, and I, I try to continue to be this way. I was very blissful when you're that passionate at such a young age, very blissful. You're really just doing whatever by whatever means necessary to get it done. And I mean, uh, quite frankly, at the age of 12, I thought school was totally a scam. I still kept my grades <laughs> up. I, I know I'm sorry. And I don't think that's the right path for everybody, but I was, 
I'm convinced I was, I'm an old person on the inside. I don't know what's up with me, but at the age of 12, I was pretty convinced that it was all a scam. And like, I didn't, I didn't need to know anymore. Like I, not in life. I think life is a very good teacher, but at the, as far as school, I was like, I get what this is. I get what this is going to be. Like, I want out of this. Um, but I mean, I will say my music classes and my drama classes, you needed to have certain grades in order to participate. So I will say I did what I needed to do in order to still be able to go to my music and my writing classes because those were the reason or, you know, my favorite reason to go to school, if, if anything, you know, because I got to sing, I got to write. Um, but I would honestly attribute me not dropping out of high school to my drama program, but I actually enjoyed college a lot more. It felt a little bit more structured. I felt my ideas were valued by the people like my professors and people I was working with. Um, I was involved with starting an arts and entertainment management major in the business school. So that was that was kind of cool. Like and again, it was like one of those leadership opportunities. Like it was just a small group of students that kind of like we're doing this thing. I was like, sure, I'll be involved. Like, I'll go for it because originally I went to school to perform, but I didn't get into I didn't get in anywhere. Um, so I was just like, well, I'll make more money doing this. Maybe if it doesn't work out, you know, if college thinks I suck, maybe I do suck. But I realize it's all relative and if you can do what you love and make a buck, I think it's just worth continuing to do no matter what. I don't know how I balanced anything. I just, like I said, I think I just coasted and did what I had to do and just let it fly. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so if music didn't become your life then, what would you have decided to do with your life had it not taken off for you? I have so many, I have so many different things that I've wanted to do in my life. I think I'd probably still wind up working in music business. Like I love managing people. I love um, the administrative side of the music industry. I, I like the strategy um, and the money, the money side, like where to move money to, to push artists, the different kinds of trends and things like I love stuff like that. So I mean, I can, I'll see, I see myself doing that eventually anyway i'm already sort of mentoring a handful of people and great young artists um so i have that um honor honestly it's really great it helps me too um i'd probably do something along the lines of that i also love teaching music that's something i do sometimes um but part of me also wants to be a chef and a doctor like or a nurse and a tattoo artist because i think i have so much respect for frontline and, and medical workers and um, and when I've been in situations where I've been sick, um, or really in need of help, uh, they've come, I've had so many nurses and doctors that were really comforting and it, I don't know, they just gave you a certain sort of feeling that I would love to give to anyone really if they needed it. So yeah, something like that. I don't know. I think that answered the question, <laughs> all those different things. <laughs> I wish I had like 12 lives. I would do so much. I just, I like to live life and things. So you yeah. mentioned that you, you mentor and teach music as well. Do you have a particular way that you like to teach? Do you have any particular things and styles that you prefer to use? Um, well, it's definitely not technical. Um, I, <laughs> I am very uh, emotional and I'm very, um, I'm very into developing artistry. I think technical skill is important. You obviously can't just be like a a loop to do and then not know what you're doing obviously as an artist you have to have a, a certain level of technical skill to translate and communicate with the rest of the world um but 
I genuinely try to teach from a place of passion. If I see a student coming to me with a certain interest in wanting to do one thing, one specific thing, I will continually beat that point home until they've got it perfected and they feel that they love it. And from there, there's a natural need to move on. For instance, like um, a really young songwriter came to me and she was about eight years old, I think. And her mom's like, I think she writes music. Like she writes these little things. Like, I don't, can you help me figure out like what she's doing? Like, let's work with this a little. I was like, sure, that's amazing. Like I didn't write music when I was eight. It's pretty cool. Um, and she just came to me as someone who had a great voice and was writing a little bit. And now she's, as we've worked together for a few years, she can produce music and engineer music using uh, a DSP, like GarageBand Logic. Um, so she can record herself. She plays the piano, you know, because these are all things that sort of once you've developed this skill or this passion for all, oh, I'm a singer. What what else do I need to do to be a successful singer? Well, let me play keys so I can write my music more properly. I can communicate. Oh, I want to record these things. How do I do that? So just building on the original passion and making it fun is like the best way that I like to teach, because like I told you, I think school is like scam. <laughs> it's like it shouldn't be so strict. It, life is about like living like I don't understand why it needs to be so serious all the time. I genuinely think like the amount of pressure and anxiety that gets put on young people, especially when they, if they don't already come from a stable foundation, it's just counterproductive. So, yeah, I like to teach from a fun place, not an easy place, a fun place still serious you know it's still not a joke but yeah it's interesting how she came to you as someone that played the piano as well it must have been a bit of a, a full circle moment for you oh yeah i mean well she this little i still work with her a lot she's like a little version i mean of me if not better by in a lot of ways i mean really tuned into music really tuned into pop music on the radio what she wants you know how to get it yeah it's, it's really cool to kind of see somebody that exists like that in the world and knowing where i would have wanted help at that age and being able to connect those dots like that's like in the management world too i, I like love to help people get over things they could otherwise be spending years on and they could just get through it get to the right spot and be more successful you know so I guess that's the real passion or energy of someone that mentors someone or someone that coaches somebody else is a real feel-good factor, I guess, when it comes yeah. to improving somebody else. Yeah, and I find that I learn a lot from mentoring and teaching too. I mean, yeah, even just in the way that I write my own music or the way that I communicate with other people and and teaching young people is just the best because they make they remind you how simple life can really be. And not even just in the fact that they don't have jobs or responsibilities or anything, but in the perspective of life and how simple it really is. But you know, when you know as you grow older and things happen to you and different ideals are set in your mind or you think you're stuck or you're not like I always try to refer back to that childlike perspective and and teaching really always I'm a little spiritual in that regard like I feel like it always gives me the right reminders when I need it of like you know life is simple have a laugh like it's it's all good you know so is that something that you tend to live by as well sort of like a a live and let live kind of approach definitely Definitely. Um, I really think we would all be better off if we just live and let live. It's just as you said, like, you know, don't hurt anybody, be kind, let people have their feelings, you have yours, 
you know, just, I, I wish people like talked more and spoke more with less judgment and, and, and not necessarily acceptance. Like I don't have to agree with everybody. I don't have to agree with what everyone's saying, or we don't all have to always be on the same page, but I feel where we should be on the same page is being able to agree to disagree, you know, as long as nobody's being hurt, you know, there's always obviously fine lines in in what hurts others versus what doesn't, but yeah, live and let live. Absolutely. Keep it simple. And, you know, let people be themselves, let people have dignity and humanity like they deserve. It's interesting that you, you actually brought up agreeance versus acceptance. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit, just so people listening can get a, a better handle on where you draw the line between accepting people versus agreeing with people. Well, I'm not a guru on it, but I mean, in, in just speaking freely, I think, um, you have to really dig deep sometimes to understand maybe why you disagree with somebody um, and why you're not actively listening, you know, versus it seems like you're actively defending. So it's like listening doesn't hurt, you know, listening doesn't infect you. You know, we have you have to have a strong sense of self in order to listen, I think. So I, and I think that's a form of acceptance, just listening. You're already accepting someone's expression of self you don't have to agree with that expression of self as long i mean even that's like one step closer to being able to become closer and more understanding with another human life is just giving them that platform to speak on it without becoming angry or aggressive and you know ask questions keep keep your tone to a certain you know calm way i think um but we don't have to agree with what everybody's saying all the time like i don't there's definitely a lot of things I disagree with, but <laughs> yeah, for me to, you know, and there's definitely, I mean, I definitely butt heads with people on things all the time. I mean, I'm like totally a contrarian with like a lot of things that uh, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe I don't get it, um, but that's fine. I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't believe that people believing the opposite thing of me is, is going to hurt me at this time. And in my immediate circle, my immediate hundred foot radius, I look around me and I'm like, okay, I'm fine right now. So there's no reason for me to be feel endangered at the moment, you know? So I think like, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to draw a line between acceptance and agreement. Um, but I, again, I think like, if, I think it, it, the bottom line there is just listening. I think that's where we can all develop our boundaries, I guess, in listening. So I think it would definitely prevent a lot of the issues that come up if we put a bit of extra time and energy towards trying to understand the other person and when I've had conversations in the past it's always gone down the realm of we're more likely to get along if we disagree that's Mm -hmm. one of the the core sort of ways that we do get along because we can't force people to it believe the same things that we do but it's our ability to not let it affect us as much you know not let the other person have too much influence over the way that we think and the way that we live our lives that's how we get along because nothing I really think matters so much that I think somebody should believe the same things that I should and I I think that that's a big part of it it's everything could change in 20 years the whole world could be completely yeah, different and yet, it's like yeah 
and yet we're the ones that are holding on to what happened 20 years ago and the way that things should be and the world's completely different i think there's i think there's a real sense of the only way we can really get along is to listen to the other person and one of the things that um was mentioned to me the other day actually was take what works and then discard the rest you know the things that fit the things that you can resonate with and relate to and actually use Mm -hmm. in in your own life the rest of it doesn't need to impact you in the same way yeah i agree and like the the challenging thing about saying this is like i definitely have a lot of privilege in saying a lot of what i'm saying so it's 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 hard to say it and not consider what the alternative to what i'm saying is or the opposite side because you know i again like i'm I'm not there i don't i don't understand what it might be like um so with that said like i mean there's been a lot of really productive movements in history or conversations that have sparked really positive forward motion for a lot of different causes so i I, you know i think it's really important to you know keep talking and but again again i really don't think those kinds of things would have happened if someone wasn't like hey let me listen for a second because that's the only way if you if you can change a mind or a perspective and you don't have to flip people completely but you know just in in these little tiny steps that we can take to understand one another i think like that's the be- the best off that we can be but i totally agree with you like it's kind of got to use what works for you and you know be kind and understanding as best as you can to others now i have actually had the chance to listen to your music and it does definitely catch my my ear if you will it were very very catchy songs i was taken by is it do you is that one of the the more recent yeah, ones yeah. and i found it really really catchy <laughs> thank you is that something that was planned was it on purpose because obviously you you teach music and you're very creative did it happen by accident or were you very sort of strategic with how you did it yeah um yes and no i mean i i was harping on that one phrase do you a lot so i was really just singing it out loud with the different notes and then i realized uh oh like it's like a catchy thing that other people could sing along with you know because a lot of times when i'm writing music i'll sit down and basically write like gibberish because it's just what's coming out of my mouth it's the syllables that sound nice to sing and you know, I'll usually just match it up with poetry or something that might work better. But um, yeah, Do You was written just very fluidly. And like, I was just kind of on the piano and I was really on like a queen kick at the time. So I was like, I want this to just be a simple, fun little doo-doo-doo melody and then make it explode into something like really epic. Um, but I was, at the time I was trying to really write something um more pop leaning so having repetition in the song was definitely something i made sure at least was there i don't know if it was like totally intentional from the beginning but production wise we definitely added extra do use and things in there that weren't in the original version but um yeah i I, that song is a really close place in my heart i appreciate you listening to it so what emotions were you feeling while you were creating it a lot of musicians and artists they tend to speak about what they went through or the way that they go through certain things and the emotions behind it and they try to put words to it some of the songs that really move me the most 
are the ones that I tend to connect with the artists more because they're sharing what they went through. And the reason why it hits me is because I see myself in the song. Yeah. So what was that story for you? I'm the same way with artists, actually, by the way. If I can't, like, totally align myself with the song, I'm like, I don't get it. But I, I'm the same way. I always, like, put myself, I'm like, she's singing about me or, like, this is my life. Which is probably not, but anyway, um, for Do You, I was in this extreme state. I'm extreme, generally, when it comes to emotions, but I was in this extreme state of, like, like deep love for another person, and I was frantic. Like, it was just, I was trying everything to to prove that it was true love and i you know i think we could work and do you see it like i don't know if i should ask because i don't want to ruin this cool little thing going on between us that's kind of fun and mysterious but you know should i ask the real question is you know so it it was sort of just like that vomit basically of like emotion like i was just going on and on and on as i was writing and going asking those questions to myself like should i say something do i not you know i love you but i don't want to be dramatic but you know just that back and forth and i have the habit of deflecting emotions i don't do it anymore but if someone if you want if you expect for someone to know how you feel you need to tell them they won't guess they can't know i've always been on this thing of like why don't you know exactly how i'm feeling you're like why don't you know so i mean that song was very much so like the last time i didn't ask you know but i eventually it worked out it's okay now <laughs> it's good it's all good but um but yeah that's kind of what happened there it was a big ball of emotions love emotions i've also found it similar to like writing as well whether it's like journaling or the books that i've written i felt some kind of cathartic moment while i was writing it especially if you go through the the brain dump, if you will, or as you said, like emotional vomit when you first start yeah. writing the song. And yeah. then it tends to make sense when you go over it and you sort of overplay your hand a little bit on some of the emotions. So you try to rein it in slightly so it makes a little bit more sense for, for people to actually consume this thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. I, I've written things or I've recorded things and I go... Uh, probably not exactly consumable the way that it is right now. I've kind of overdone it a little bit. No one's really going to understand what's going on. Do you, do you ever get that where you you sort of put it on the the page, if you will, or you you type it on the keys, and maybe I should keep the one to myself. Right. I I felt that way about Do You. I was really because that was my first single that I put out with um, my new publisher, a new label, and like the whole new team. So this was like, you know, step one for, but also the end of a lot of steps. So it was like a really big turning point. And I was, I was really scared. Like I spent so much time producing that song because I was so nervous that no one was going to get it. Um, but a lot of people really did. It's funny. Cause I was like, they're not going to get the happy parts of this song, you know, cause it, in, it, at the end of the day, it was really like a celebratory thing. Like the end of it is celebratory. But I, and I was shocked that a lot of people had reached out to me like, oh, my God, this is a great love song. I want to play this at my wedding and or, oh, my God, this makes me feel like how I felt about my, you know, my current partner and all these different things. Like people would reach out to me and they really understood it. But I was so worried because this was very much so me in a real way. There was nothing about that. There's nothing. There's no one lyric in that song that I was like, 
I don't like that, that they're all such true statements and true emotions that I went through multiple times. So yeah, to put it all out there, it's, it's kind of like the, oh, maybe I shouldn't moment, but I will say when I have those moments and then I do it, they do well. They do well because I think it's like, it's honest and which it's scary. I don't, I don't really prefer that. Like, I'm not like a lot of people are very, very honest, especially on social media, like a little too honest. Like I don't want to really know a lot of what people tell me by force on social media, but you know, like, I don't care if like you're, it's like the fourth anniversary of your cat's death. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it's not, <laughs> not really something I can help you with. And like, even if you put it, whatever, just shit like that. But you know, like, you know, a lot of people share a lot of different things. So I always worry that I may be crossing that boundary that I find really self-absorbed, but um, I just try to reserve it to my music and, you know, people can listen to it or not. And I'm, I'm just happy to make it. So, you know, I just do that and hope for the best. <laughs> I've also had a lot of similar experiences with being vulnerable myself is in the more vulnerable I am the scarier it is but then because other people relate to it a lot more it does better in terms of like what the response is compared to something that's a bit more I suppose polished or sanitary as well speak mm -hmm. to the vulnerability aspect speak to the the power of showing up more vulnerable like warts and all as they say yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And I think like, I've been reading the last couple of years, reading a lot more poetry and something that a lot of contemporary poets have been doing is just like this outpouring of they're they're so smart, like linguistically, they choose their words so well, but they're such simple words and the honesty and the there's no question in what they're talking about. It's honest. It's there. It's a real situation. It's a story. It's not all these frilly, long, confusing words like it. I think when you're more honest on a more human level, it makes your art more accessible, you know? So I think it's more almost like more appealing to the masses because it's like something that, you know, more people can understand no matter where they're at. Child, adult, rich, poor, this side of the world, that side of the world, you know? So yeah, I think honesty makes it, makes things accessible and it goes back to just like living and let living and being just on that real level. Do you ever find that maybe you start a song, maybe you start putting something together and it doesn't quite feel honest enough? I mean, you've had to restart it or make some changes. Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. I For many years, I, I struggled with really feeling like what I was saying or what I was writing was honest, especially when I was working with other musicians that maybe are, we had different things going on in our lives or different interests. And, but even sometimes when I sat down at the piano, like I used to um, be more into like different substances, like I'd have a drink and write or whatever else. And um, I used to feel like, oh, this is gonna get me back to those roots of me. But I mean, I've, I've sort of developed a thing now where I'm very much I'm very present I keep it very focused and I try to only mentally cha like uh, channel who I was as a kid and keep it very real and and non-judgmental I think as you get older the reason we do less things and become less active is because we become more judgmental of ourselves and of others and I I've I used to struggle a lot with the honesty with the songwriting process and I felt like I was doing so poorly for many years and 
the more that I've been able to tap into um, the authenticity of what I once felt and what I still feel on that base level, it's it's been really successful for me. Like I, I feel it's been fulfilling as well as commercially accepted. <laughs> so it's nice. So yeah. did you try just like alcohol or did you experiment with like psychedelics and things as well? I never got to psychedelics. So I'll tell you quickly, I was diagnosed with um, epilepsy about a year ago. So that's a neurological condition. And um, I was in and out of the hospital for about six months uh, last year. So I was referring to doctors and nurses earlier in our conversation. So I was bedridden and sick and whatever. So I'm unable because of medication I'm on and because of epilepsy just in general, I can't actually drink or do anything anymore that even certain teas, certain vitamins I actually can't have because it will upset the natural uh, brain waves. So I, so it will put me into an episode or something like that. So um, I, I've always been interested in, in those types of things, but um I have a really interesting perspective on it now because like um, when I was really healthy and very, I mean, I'm healthier now than I feel I've ever been, but um, when I was more like able-bodied and and able to sort of experiment and have a little bit more fun than the sober person, you know, I really took advantage of how my body continually would show up for me the next morning, (laughs) you know, because it's like, you know, like, you could be out at a bar. I mean, this is when I was much younger, but you know, you're hopping around at bars until like four o'clock in the morning, you barely ate that day and you wake up and you're still like fresh faced and excited and ready to do it again. And it's like now, like I have to, I can't even have caffeine. Like I can't even, I have to watch if I have to make sure I, I keep a strong eye on my Dunkin' person or my Starbucks person. Cause I have to make sure it's decaf in that cup or I'll be, I'll be in deep trouble, you know? So it's funny, like, you know, um, what, what I, a beautiful and and delicate balance your body actually has and and it's i think like there's i'm not delegitimizing any sort of substance whatsoever and i think it works for some people but for me i feel like you have a lot of what's already what you want already inside of you you just have to do more work when i think for me this is totally just my perspective you have to do a little bit more work when you're sober to get there um, because I also think too, when you're, uh, drunk or high or whatever, there's a perception that you're there, but you're not. So for me, like when you're just yourself and you need to dig a little deep, you need to do a little work, but that stays with you all day. It's not going to, it's not going to slip away with your high or, you know, give you a hangover. So, I mean, like I've, I've obviously like, I sort of didn't by choice have to figure that out, but I'm, I feel very fortunate that. Um, first of all, I'm able to be functioning as epileptic, but second, that I'm able to really find value in continually being sober and, and, you know, respecting that body balance. But yeah, to your point, I've definitely tried it. There's definitely been cool things that come out, uh, and not so cool things. Like I could definitely tell, like when I was really trying to do something or be something and it just wasn't, wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I've been loving the stuff that I've been making, um, since my since i've been healthier um and i really think it's because i'm like really all there so um not not for me but definitely um you know try it but (laughs) i don't have the privilege of doing that anymore so um you know try it but you know also you know be I, i would recommend people to be grateful and fortunate that they were given a 
perfectly or semi, whatever your situation is, you know, if, if you do have a well-functioning body that continually shows up for you, be grateful for that. Cause it, for me, it was taken away overnight. You know, it happened in three or four hours and I was, and you know, whatever. And then I woke up in a hospital two days later and like, you have epilepsy. I'm like, what? <laughs> like since what? Like, <laughs> that's wild. Like yeah, yeah. I'm disabled. Like that's crazy. Like that's, I can't drive. I can't do so many things that I just completely, you know, the average person takes for granted. So, um, yeah, just, you know, when in doing and trying and experimenting also, you know, you have to give that gratitude back to your body, do something good for it too. As someone yeah. that's diabetic and has cystic fibrosis, I completely, completely. My friend, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I more than get it. Yeah, this is, this yeah, is amazing. Yeah, way more than I do. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a crazy thing too. Like I only been dealing with this since the age of 20 or maybe 29. Yeah, 27, 28. Like I lived a very fortunate, healthy life considering all the, shit I did to myself, you know? So, I mean, wow. Yeah. Have you, if you don't mind me asking, have you experienced that your whole life? That's something you've lived your whole life with those two things? Uh, cystic fibrosis. I was about two months old. So when they do the initial sort of baby tests, that's when that came up. Um, diabetes was early twenties. Um, right. and it's interesting because I actually, fought against it because i was a personal trainer at the time i know oh, wow. baffling i know but well, i thought no i can do this with diet like i know what i'm doing sure yeah and i was already low carbohydrate anyway which made right. the nurses raise their eyebrows as if to say well you can try mike but uh yeah. good luck fighting this one yeah. but i was stubborn i still am and i'm competitive yeah. so i did it and they turned around to me and they said, look, we're not being funny, but if you have any less to eat, you're going to struggle in other ways. So you just have to accept it. And I totally understand what you're saying when your body has a very, very fine balance. Oh, and yeah. I think the people that have a lot of wiggle room have a much easier life than we do. Like, I don't have a lot of wiggle room and I bet you don't either. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I don't really think people even understand. Like as I actually just toured for the first time since COVID for three weeks, and it was the first time I was sober for the entire thing. Cause, you know, it's venues like give a band a drink or two, so you know, dealing with you know talking with fans or seeing people in the audience, I was so much more aware of the amount of substances and just the amount of vices, even just down to coffee. It's so silly, but like even just down to coffee or unhealthy foods that we rely on to kind of give us uh, a lower level of stress, which I honestly, I feel the difference for sure. There's a certain level of aware, like um, awareness and health and focus that I don't believe that I had with those vices. But I mean, we like as a society, I feel like run on these vices that we're not even, they're just so ingrained in our culture that we don't even realize, like you said, the wiggle room, you don't even realize the amount that your body is sustaining and, and, and correcting for you in essence. And like when you have a, yeah, when you need to keep your body balanced and keep things in check and make sure you're, I mean, I'm crazy. I'll take my medicine. They always say a big thing with epilepsy. You have to take your medicine on time. I'm taking that within a minute of my alarm going off. I've, I'm like, everything stops, you know, like, it's like you, I'm sure you experienced something similar, like, you know, and people, a lot of people don't understand that, but, um, or don't even know what 
it is that I have. It's so funny. I was like, oh, I knew what epilepsy was before I got it. So I just assumed other people do. And they're like, oh, so it's this, right? I'm like, no, they're like, they're like flashing lights, right? I'm like, no, that's only 3% of the population. No, <laughs> you know, so it's like all these different things. I'm sure there's myths and things that you have to constantly like slap away too when people <laughs> ask you about your stuff. Well, it's, yeah. it's really interesting because I'm probably fitter than somebody without my conditions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, there's a big difference, right? I mentioned the conditions and people don't think I actually have the conditions. Right. But then when they see that the three hours of exercise that I do a day and the fact that I have to eat most of my food when I'm exercising because it balances out the blood sugar but then I need calories still otherwise I can't function so there's so much that goes into planning organizing forward thinking I can't do a lot of things on a whim here you've got to let me know right. beforehand you're like uh, I can't stay out at your after party till three in the morning like I have to sleep eight to nine hours a night straight or I will have a seizure so like you need to like yeah exactly and I guess what's what's funnier to a certain extent, and I'm sure you could speak to this as well, is a lot of the enhancements that people tend to think that they get, it's actually just their heart rate increasing, so it just makes them feel like something happening. But most people operate about 70% of what they can do, but yes. it feels like it's 100 because yeah. of what they're trying to do to improve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's funny that you said the health thing, too, because I feel like I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm healthier than most of my friends, but I'm still really, like, trying to keep up with, you know, everything. And I've, I've not really been super vocal about it because I've been looking for a cure for I've only been three months seizure free at the moment. Like, I mean, and I've gone six months without having them previously, and then I had six months of them every month. So once a month, you know, so I, uh, and I'd have multiple at a time, you know, so it was just like, you know, I wasn't uh, vocal about it. I was also putting out, you know, my song and it was on the billboard charts. Like I signed both my publishing and my record deals in hospital beds. Like I wasn't telling anybody because there's obviously this facade, this is another reason I hate social media, this facade that you have to push that it's like, oh, you know, I'm fantastic and, and heart and, you know, free of all error and flaw but and then there's that other side of it that's like showing things that are triggering or upsetting like people in hospitals or you know like if somebody breaks their leg they go to the hospital feel bad for me i'm like i'm sure your leg hurts but like you're okay dude you're <laughs> yeah. fine yeah you're fine like you're good like just I, people want this weird attention for either being perfect or being entirely imperfect. And I just really feel like we're all in the middle, so it doesn't make any sense, you know, the way it, yeah, I was very quiet about it. I'm only really talking about it now since it's been about a year and I feel healthy enough to talk about it too, because it used to be so, I'm sure you can understand really, it's really upsetting to think about at the end of the day that that's your reality. It is, and then, well, I think people tend to forget that we spend a long time it was kind of like when I, I used to play basketball as well, and I'm not the <laughs> tallest guy in the world, right? I'd have to work twice as hard as the other people to be able to do what they can do. Mm -hmm. And it feels the same way, but daily life, 
But I've got yeah. to do so much to be perceived, I guess, as able-bodied and able to, to do the things that I do. And it's like, yeah, but behind the scenes, I've got, like, hours a day where I'm just doing the boring stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and like I know, and I'm I'm always thinking like, you know, uh, you know, could I be more successful if I could, you know, just be up for only like, you know, if I only had to sleep a couple hours, you know, like mentally and like as far as my passion goes, I could probably not ever sleep, but I'll be really sick if I don't, you know. So it's like things like that, and you know, I wish that I had the boost of coffee sometimes and things like that, but I get boosts from other stuff now, you know. It's just just different. It's just re calibrating where your energy comes from and where your focus lies but yeah it's really thank you for sharing that that's really interesting it's always it's always um i won't say nice but it's it's a little comforting to know that there's like other people operating in the world that aren't just hiding or scared or <laughs> half dead somewhere like you know like it's 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 uh intimidating um even to like say anything about it so it's nice when you meet people that might understand a bit of it yeah, that's part of why I, I started this show almost five years ago now is I realised that no matter what people tend to share, there's a part of what I've been through in a lot of what other people go through. And it just allows that sense of safety, whether they know about it or not, because my head just sort of does this. It just nods as if they say, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. And they, they, they kind of look at me and go, ha, ha how can you relate to this then? And I'm, I'm going to reel off and I just, yeah, I've uh, gone through something similar. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, this is like a boatload of experience that I feel, I mean, this, the, what I've learned in this last year about so many things, I feel I haven't learned in five years of just kind of normal, mindless living. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, you never know what people have gone through though. That's another thing. So you got to listen. So I got to listen. You got to be patient with people. You never know. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Easier said than done, but it's hard to, you know. It is. And I I went through a bit of a phase. I don't know if, if you have, or you may do, who knows, this might be in your future, but... Mm -hmm. I went through the frustrated phase of they're dealing with their own stuff, I'm dealing with my own stuff, and I feel like I'm meeting in the middle and trying to be like negotiating, flexible, and yet they're going 10% of the way and I'm doing 90% of yeah of the way and yeah. um I, I used to get frustrated by that because it was kind of well why we're all we've all got our own stuff and i kind of feel like you're assuming everything's fine with me yeah right yeah and i think it's easy for people to assume that especially if i mean we're animals we perceive things and then react based on that perception so yeah like it's it's even hard for me to say sometimes i'm not okay or i'm you know uh you know, I have to ask certain accommodations sometimes that I, I feel embarrassed to ask because at the end of the day, like, I don't even view myself as disabled at times because the perception of that is so many other things that I don't deal with, you know? So sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't even perceive myself this way or, but I've definitely been in the situation with friends or family that have absolutely no clue, especially because they haven't gone through this whole year with me of like, 
the type of exhaustion I experience and I mean, but I don't share it. I, I it's not something I want to share. It's it's very personal. And the only person that's really seen it is my partner who's been like my rock the whole time, like and so patient and so, you know, meets me at that middle point. He's probably the only one that really does now because of how, you know, complex, you know, day to day tends to get when you have a, I guess a chronic illness or whatever this special gift is. <laughs> Spe- special gift oh if, special. Only, if only if only but having said that i mean now as of recording this if it wasn't for my conditions i would probably be worse off because yeah. i wouldn't have a motivation to mm. be fit and healthy and yeah. i wouldn't have Amazing. a motivation to be slightly yeah. more stubborn than average um, and I, I applaud you for that because you can either take any sort of disadvantage or hardship you're handed and say, oh, I deserve that. I'm just going to sulk and quit. But I agree. I mean, the motivation in, in being told no or being told, you know, you're not going to have it as easy as everyone else. It's like, oh, okay, watch me. Like, you know, so yeah, I agree. I agree with that totally. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, when I when I was diagnosed with diabetes, that was a big turning point for me because I actually had a friend that had the same conditions before I was diagnosed and he unfortunately passed away. So there was a part of me, he was only a year older than I was as well. So I went through the whole, if I had a year left, would I be happy with what I was doing? And the answer was no. So I had this whole big overhaul of like I have to focus on this now like I don't want just to have a year left like what can I do how can I spend my time if I say no to stuff it's a hard no because I'm doing this more important and more meaningful thing over here and then I read so many books that basically summed up as if you say yes to something you're saying no to something else and I was like yeah like I can't live that way so I just had this massive, within about a month, like I'd stopped everything, restarted my life, essentially kicked the plug out the wall and put it back in again. And the rest is history. And I think- Amazing. I mean, that's great that, I mean, it's obviously in sad circumstances, but yeah, I mean, it definitely, when you are faced with hardship and it definitely makes you question, you know, the, the good times that you do have, how are you spending that time? And that's that was my I had that revelation recently, actually, because I was like, you know, so many of my friends are just like making content for TikTok. I want to make art, you know, like I want to sit down in my studio and make art. And I really don't care if people hear it, because like this is like I said earlier, it's my life. The time that I have that's healthy, I want to spend it in a good way. But yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I wish more people realized that you know, I don't wish hardship on anybody, but wish people realized that without it, you know, sometimes. It's funny how valuable adversity can be as long as it's, I guess, at the rate that the other person can handle it. Because that's where, you know, trauma comes from it being too much, right? Like your body just can't handle what Mm -hmm. it is. And Mm -hmm. I think if it was drip fed or often enough to people, you know, when you sort of think... 
if it was difficult, like once a month, maybe you can adapt and, and adjust yeah. and, and get better. So the next time it's not so bad. If it was every day, I think most people would have a tough time recovering from something that was all day, every day. Con- yeah. you, you never get a break. You never get the chance to yeah, really exhausting. adjust. Yeah, it's exhausting. And like, I mean, but again, like, uh, I mean, I have, a, again, a, a privilege of feeling really healthy these last couple of months. So I've really been valuing the time that I've had because I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even accept that I was feeling as bad as I did when I did. I was like, oh, you're just lazy, you just that and the other thing. But I'm literally trying to just stay okay here, stay not hospitalized. Like that was the goal, you know, doing so many different lifestyle changes all at the same time. Like there's people that can't even give up like, you know, soda for a year or drinking for a month, people like, well, which it's great. Any, I think anything you do to kind of like change up your perspective is good. I'm not knocking that, but you know, I've seen so many friends like, yeah, I decided to like stop drinking beer for a month. It was so hard. Now I'm getting fucked up with my bros. Like, it's just like, okay, that's cool. Like there's, you know, I had to all at once and I'm sure you, you can understand like no bread, no sugar, no caffeine, no drugs, no nothing, no going out alone, no being alone, no running alone, you know, these no driving, you know, these things that all at once, all at once. And then also I was in a new relationship at the time. And I'm like this, I I kept having to be like to my partner. I'm like, this isn't really who I am. You know, like I'm sick right now. Like I'm not good. Like, you know, so it was really hard to even maintain, not hard, but it was, it was challenging to maintain a relationship in that communication when it's like, they are still getting to know me, you know, all these weird nuances to and then the the last thing you want to do is have to rehash it every time someone doesn't fully understand. I'm so over it. I always like I volunteer the information now, but I barely like will tell people because I'm just like, <laughs> oh god, like like someone I told someone I was like recently at a wedding and I was like, yeah, I have epilepsy. I can't drink or eat cake or whatever. And she's like, oh, my cat had epilepsy, you poor thing. I'm like, yeah, me and your cat, same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's it's something that you, you almost have to go through the motions with. Like, you can't get too attached to the conversation because you're having it all the time. You just got to just tell them, get it out of the way, and then yeah. hopefully they'll, they'll adjust. What yeah. it does make me think of, though is how do you as someone that has to be so even i guess for want of a better expression how do you get into the state of mind that you need to be in to be able to create and really dive into the emotional side of what you're creating uh i mean like it's it's been ever-changing especially this year but i mean a lot of the things i've been writing have been from that place of grieving or mourning or re-experiencing um as i've gotten better or gotten worse and um a lot of appreciation too like i'm i feel like the way that i try to balance myself though i mean like i mean you said it too like healthy foods lots of exercise and 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 definitely staying regimented like having a schedule getting up and going to sleep at the same time is very important um and always balancing hard work and focus with things that you really enjoy too. I didn't really have any hobbies, but when I became other than singing and music, but when I became, you know, a musician full time, I was like, Oh my God, I don't have anything to do for fun. Like, this is my job. So I don't have anything to do for fun. Like, so I, I read a lot now. I, 
I paint, I, I just mess around. I have a dog that I love so much that she's like my little angel that just makes me feel better all the time. So yeah, I think it's like a, and, and a lot of support. I really couldn't be so focused and motivated if I didn't have support of like a really amazing uh, family. And then also just like group of people like business in my business that really just motivate me and say, Hey, you're really great. Keep going. Like, or wow, I can't believe you have this, but can also do that. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know, but yeah, I just try to like stay, stay organized, organize my life. And it helps to, you know, put energy in the right places. So must have been a bit of a, a hockey stick moment for you where you had to do it all within a day or two, essentially, to, okay, I can't have everything all over the floor anymore. I need to put all the books in order, otherwise nothing's ever going to get done properly. Oh my God. Yeah, and, like, I'm definitely not organized, uh, very naturally speaking. Like, I'm definitely a mess, but I'm, I'm not anymore. I actually am really um, – I actually – I used to, before the epilepsy, I was on a couple of other medicines, but I used to run out of the medicine all the time and then wouldn't get it refilled for days. Another advantage that I had that I didn't realize that, oh, I, or I was taking this risk that I really shouldn't have been taking, it's dangerous. But at the time, the, the, the medicine was like non-essential, I'll put it that way. Um, or vitamins even. And, and I used to miss the prescriptions or the doses like all the time, it just mess around, whatever. And to show you how much I've grown, I actually called the pharmacy yesterday and I was like, oh, I need to refill my prescription. And they're like, you, you refilled it. Like we can't give you a new one until December 9th. She's like, why don't you go check if you have a new, you know, bottle. And so I went into where I keep my medicines and I have like a full bottle stacked. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so prepared. I'm so good at life now. Like, this is fantastic. <laughs> like, like, I used to be like, done with that stuff. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm so like, yeah. So I was like super over prepared for once. Well, not for once. It's been happening and I feel really great about that. But, you know, gotta, gotta keep it organized. <laughs> Sometimes you you don't have any other way, really. That's the only yeah. way you can you can really get a hand on it is to be organised. But what's next for you then? Like, what's the the future like for April? Well, I'm hoping keeping it healthy, keeping it strong. That's the first thing. Um, and then I'm hoping in 2022 I have a lot of cool things on the horizon. Um, new single coming out at the top of the year, which I'm really excited about with the new music video I'll be shooting soon, um, as well as an EP, so like a small collection of songs, four or five so new songs probably, and then uh, I'm finishing that up and then a, hopefully a full length by the end of the year. Um, and at some point next year also, I've, I've been sort of shooting kind of casually shooting a, like a documentary or just like a journal of the year that I've gone through with basically starting my music career and then <laughs> getting diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, and my, my partner's great. He always captures, you know, real moments and, and just regular moments in our life. And we're hopefully going to be putting together um, a documentary and releasing it um, next November. So a year from now, I'd like to be sharing that story uh, in a way that's educational and also motivational. I don't want to do it um, just like an Instagram post or something. <laughs> so I want to put out like a, that as well. I'm hoping like those are kind of my goals for the next year, uh, music and then, you know, what happened basically while all that music was being made. 
Awesome. And if people wanted to, to find out more about that, is it you on social media, websites? How can people find out more about yeah, so it? So you just, um, my name is April Rose Gabrielli. So any social media I'm on, that's my full name at April Rose Gabrielli or AprilRoseGabrielli.com. I also have a mailing list you could sign up for if you go to my website or if you go to any of my socials, it should be on there. Um, yeah, that's me. If you Google me, you'll, you'll find me. Something will pop up, I think, that you can contact me with. Awesome. And uh, for those that are listening, if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to subscribe, leave us a review, tell us what you think. And I'm sure if you shared it on social media, tagging us. So I'm at the Michael Bryan on social media. We've got April Rose Gabrielli as well. We'll see it and we'll share the show as well so you get some extra extra love from us so april it's been great to have you on and i look forward to keeping in touch thank you same here thanks for having me just before you take off if you'd like to join my inner circle which is accountability access to me and you also get the chance to have exclusive interviews with my podcast guests. If you click the link in the description for the podcast, you get a two-month free trial in the inner circle. I shall see you on the other side.